What's up, everybody? Just want to let you know that By the Hood is powered by MDC Strategy. So Corey and I have partnered with several other educators and investors to create MDC Strategy. Just want to let you know this is not a get-rich-quick scheme or fake internet guru selling you dreams of wealth. This is a community of educators and investors who believe in the power of community and shared ideas. We share information about real estate, long-term stock investing, precious metals, options trading, cryptocurrency, and much, much more. To get more information, go to mdcstrategy.com. What's up, people? Welcome to this episode of the Buy the Hood podcast or webcast because I don't know how you're consuming this content. I'm your host, as always. My name is Jimmy, and welcome to episode 200 in Magic Johnson, 232. Um, as we start off every show, that's with gratitude. I want to say shout out and thank you to all of our supporters, new YouTube subscribers, as well as all the students from By the Hood University, our private group, MDC Strategy, everybody there, as well as the youth from the By the Hood Ownership Camp. My partner in Crown Core is back with me. Core, what's up, good brother? What it is, though? Man, listen, man, I ain't got no complaints, man. I'm here, you know, ready to put some work in, man, and, and have, have a great conversation, man. How about yourself? Man, you know... I ain't gonna complain. I'm above the ground. I can change. I can change anything that I need to get changed because I still got breath and I'm still mobile and my brain is still <laughs> agile. You know what I mean? Like I can still do everything. So I feel good. Mm-hmm. Nothing to complain about. I heard that. Yo, um, want to send a special shout out also to all the people that uh left comments and and, and reviews and everything of our new our new show on the channel. Um, stack sets and trying, which you know. Um, that first episode came out. Our Friday live is now turned into audio as well. So we got a lot of stuff going on, man. But you know, if you're not subscribed to the audio feed, make sure you do so. The link for that's in the description because we're on Spotify, um, Google, as well as Apple. You know, so do all the YouTube and stuff. Like, comment, subscribe. But for those that may be here for the first time, our show is dedicated to talking about all things black wealth and personal finance. Um, you know, so Corey and I, you know, have conversations based on what's in the news and what's going on. But it's generally surrounding those topics, and we give our opinions, thoughts on said issue. Now, um, one of the things we talked about recently was that article that came out that was talking about how many more, uh, you know, young younger Black folks are investing, and you know, there was a whole, uh, you know, parade and circle jerk on the internet about that. And we did a whole show giving kind of a, a counter perspective to that. Um, but I came across this article, and let me pull the article up, and. For those that are just listening to this on audio, I will put the link to this article in the show notes. It's from Fortune Magazine, and it came out a couple days ago, and um, it's titled, The Wealth Gap is Getting Worse, and Rich White People Are Getting Even Richer. <laughs> <laughs> and they use a picture of, uh, you know, Dan Aykroyd. And, um, Eddie <laughs> That's Murphy's what I'm saying. Yeah, so greatest movie ever, by the way, and I'm not debating that with nobody. Single greatest movie ever. But um, with that being said, um, Cora Lewis wrote this article and this article kind of like, you know, talks about some of the, the logic and, and, and thinking that we were talking about when everybody was excited about more or less investing in the market. Right. So not hating because that's a good thing overall. But the amount of pennies that we're putting into the market um, right now isn't enough. And that's why economics alone isn't enough. Right. Policy and has to be a part of our strategic uh, play you know, um, in terms of black wealth, if you believe there is any black wealth, but that's a whole other story. Let me read a couple um, lines from this article because it's very interesting. And 
we did a video or a podcast a little while ago and we talked about um are people not investing in the stock market and they kind of talk about that here but here we go I'm not gonna read the whole thing because it's you know a longer article but just want to add some context to this conversation so it says a strong performance in financial markets particularly an outsized gain for the stock market in 2021 helped entrench existing trends of wealth inequality during the pandemic new data released this week shows according to a report from the new york federal reserve bank the real net worth of white individuals outgrew that of black and hispanic individuals by 30 percentage points and nine percentage points respectively from the first quarter of 2019 through the second quarter of 2023 so it says the period featured a remarkable level of government financial support and after the initial shock of the pandemic a strong job market. The unemployment rate for Black Americans is now at 5.3% near a record low, compared to an overall unemployment rate of 3.7%. Earnings for the typical Black full-time worker are up 7.1% since the pandemic. So here's where it gets interesting. Closing the wealth gap is more difficult because a significantly larger number of white households traditionally have money in stocks and mutual funds. A separate Fed survey shows that as of 2022, about 65.6% of white households had investments in stocks, compared with 28.3% for Hispanic households and 39.2% for Black households. The study really shows a difference between making gains when it comes to income and closing that gap versus when it comes to wealth, said Janelle Jones, Vice President of Policy and Advocacy for the Washington Center for Equitable Growth. I want to reread that one sentence because that says a lot. So the study shows the difference between making gains when it comes to income and closing the gap versus when it comes to wealth, because a lot of people think that income and wealth are synonymous and they're making a distinction right there. Now, I think that's important. Yeah. Um, you know, so skipping ahead, it says much of the divergence in net worth by race and ethnicity since 2019 can be attributed to divergence in the real values of financial asset holdings. It says the fact that black households have more wealth concentrated in pensions than in stocks, mutual funds and exchange traded funds or ETFs. Right. It says more than 50 percent of black financial wealth is invested in pensions. Less than 20 percent of black wealth is stored in private businesses, corporate equities or mutual funds. In contrast, less than 30 percent of white financial wealth is in pensions with about 50% in businesses, equities, and mutual funds. It says Black workers are still more likely to be unionized, which may play a part in the pension story. But how folks are exposed to the ability to invest in the stock market, whether or not it's something they grew up doing, we know that's different for white families than for people of color. Black family members are less likely to get an inheritance also. Another aspect, right? So. It's a lot in this article, right? The first part, the little part about the unions, I think that unions are necessary. They're needed, right? Um, so I don't want this to come off as any anti-union thing because I think being part of a union and understanding the stock market, you could do both, right? It's not one yeah. or the other. <laughs> last, that last bar right there, Black family members are less likely to get an inheritance. That's the, that's the part. Yep, so... We had uh, we had a, an attorney on. I forget mm -hmm. which one because when we be doing this podcast, this is episode two hundred of Magic Johnson. Yeah, and they said uh, the 
that wealth isn't created during life. Most wealth is created during death. And I forget mm -hmm. which one of those attorneys said that, but I think it may have been uh, our sister from the Black Courtney. Woman, Courtney. And she was telling us that most most wealth is created at death because most most white people get their money from an inheritance. Yeah, so it doesn't the matter. Like they ever get a big, the first time they ever get yeah. a big chunk of money is from an inheritance. Yeah, so even if so, a lot of times, right? And this is this is something else. This is a whole other story, but we might as well talk about it while we're here. A lot of times, with certain pensions, depending upon the relationship of the heirs, you may not get any of it, right? If it's not, oh, a you gotta tell me that. Oh, you said you learned through experience, huh? Man, I'm 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 lox when it comes to that. Yeah, so a lot of times people think that okay, you know, um, you know, my sister worked for the school district for forty years. When she goes, I get the pension, and that ain't how that works. No, unless the you're the, heirs direct heir or spouse like so mm -hmm. so it's like that's the other part right so if we have a lot of our wealth stored in the pension a lot of that pension doesn't get passed through right um and this comes to um understanding and getting involved in the markets earlier but this is why it can't be economics alone this policy because we start talking about inheritance those inheritance goes back generation after generation after generation i remember i never figured it's a true story when i was in law school right um, I was scrambling trying to pay for my books. Anybody who's been away to college knows sometimes, man, the part of college that hits you, you finally get your tuition taken care of. You know what I mean? You got your meal plan. And then they're like, oh, yeah, you got to buy your books. You're like, what you mean I got to buy my books? And them college books, bro. I mean, you got a son in college now. I don't know if it's still the same way because, you know, not trying to date myself. There wasn't a whole lot of iPads and digital books back then. You had to buy the text. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say that we paid for the books, but I'm not going to say what we paid for. All I'm going to say is this, dog. Back then, there was no digital, so you had to actually buy the textbooks, and those textbooks were a grip. And I remember sitting there, and I'm watching this young lady in a, um, in a, the school bookstore, and she's just copying everything at one time. It wasn't even a thought. And she's just like, she was, she had it so much that she was buying her regular, like, pen, pencil and paper from the bookstore. You know they taxing that anyway. Yeah, they taxing that. Like, I'm sitting there like, all right, so then we just get to talking and I'm coming to find out like one of the buildings is named after her great grandfather. Her father sat on the state board or this. And I'm sitting there like, I don't got none of that. <laughs> <laughs> none of it. I ain't got none, none of that. Right? So, no, I had hardworking family like, you know, that that made sacrifices. Cool, 100%. You know what I'm saying? And I, I wouldn't trade that for anything. Right. Because um, I'm way better off than the previous generation of my family, which is how it was supposed to be. Um, you know, my mom passed away and I had an inheritance. So I, I can't complain about that. But what I'm saying is when you start to talk to people from, um, you know, different, different places, bro, they on a fourth or fifth generation. Like yeah, my mom went to college and she, you know what I mean? Like she went to college. I graduated college. My mom didn't graduate. I graduated college, but it's like, there's still families that I know of who now are just getting first generation college graduates, first generation professionals. Like, you know, we're behind the, uh, the curve, right? Yeah. So I bring all this up in the context of this conversation, because when we start talking about black wealth, a lot of it isn't just that we're not doing the right things. People try to paint this picture like if you stop, you know, the, oh, the whole Bill Cosby pound cake speech, if you got to pull your pants up and stop buying Jordans and spend it in the right place. Like, bro, the difference between the wealth gap ain't a lot of that, dog. You know what I mean, like it's, it's not a lot of that. And the data tells you that. No, it ain't our folks because we can't afford it. Right, it's it's mostly, you know, inherited wealth that that's the wealth gap. 
because because we weren't allowed to build that wealth allowed you know what i mean because i'm not mm -hmm. even gonna go into what you know what really happened because we only have a few minutes on this on this episode and i don't yeah, yeah, yeah. i don't want to go off on that whole tangent but what? it, it, it plays it plays such an important part in um building and wealth building right the stock market wasn't always available to us right mm -hmm. and so we the the, the the number one factor in building wealth is time and so Man, when, when time we wasn't so so this is why i'm bringing it up because the number one the number one thing in wealth building is to have money compound over time and if you can't have that compounded time then there's always going to be a gap right so yeah you, you you spitting bars because i had a conversation with you on friday before we did our friday show and i was telling you like how much bread i had made in the market right and i was excited about it. i'll never put that out there on, the, on our, our podcast because i ain't trying to have nobody trunk i'm still from philly but the thing about, and I've, I've said this several times, that I get survivor's remorse a lot as it comes to me building what I'm building for my family. Because I have knowledge that I know that the people before me didn't have. But as I get to certain points in my, and the money starts to you know compound and I see the, the effects of compound, I start to think about, yo, when you get to a certain level, it's almost like Brewster's Millions. And for those who've never seen that movie, go watch you it. You can't spend it. You can't spend it all because it's making it's more. It's moving so it's, fast. You can't. And it's making it. so much money. You can't even spend it all. You know, unless you just really, really egregious, like you want some Mike Tyson, <laughs> like buying alligators and lions, and unless you really egregious, but if you're living in regular life, like there's sometimes. <laughs> and, you know, we always mention books in our podcast. I want to um point people to a book they may or may not have read. It's called The Prince of Darkness, right? Um, the author's name is Shane White. And the Prince, word? the Prince of Darkness is about one uh, Jeremiah Hamilton, who a lot of people consider him the first black millionaire from Wall Street. And he's a terrible human being. I'm going to start off by saying that. Like, he's not a likable <laughs> person. But, but he was a black man, and he was able to, like, manipulate and learn the markets in a way that enabled him to make millions of dollars in the stock market. But what's interesting about the book to me is because of the time that it happened, I don't have the exact time. I'm trying to remember what it was uh, in the middle of the 19th century sometimes. So anyway, um, he yeah. he the hoops that he had to get through just to be able to invest, such as having white proxies and things of that nature. And I'm not going to give the book away. So I want you guys to read it for those that like to read. Um but that shows you that at a time where certain folks, great grandparents and parents were like owning buildings and buying land in Manhattan. We didn't legally couldn't do it. We legally couldn't do it. And I say all that to say this stuff compounds. You muted, by the way, Corey. Yeah. What I was saying is the compound, the compound interest of 100 years of not even being able to own that stuff. That's that's not something you can make up in, in, a, in a, you know, in a flurry in the, in the stock market. Exactly. So no matter how much you did in the pandy, you ain't catching up, right? That's just what it is. Like, we, it's going to take policy, which is why I think that uh, we talk about black wealth, but I think black wealth is deeper than just economics. And I know a lot of people get upset when I say that on both sides. I, I get it from the people who say, oh, you talk about economics too much. It's really about this. But then I get hit from the economics folks like you talk about policy, but it takes both. Um, let me read something else from this article real quick, too, because this is another interesting piece. And then we can, you know, uh, get our, finish the discussion. But 
It says owning a business is another component of financial wealth. And separate data shows black owned businesses had a tougher time during the pandemic. Now, get a little context to it. While less than 10% of all U.S. business owners are black, black owned businesses were also more concentrated in industries hardest hit when COVID first spread. According to the Economic Policy Institute, an analysis of government data, in April 2020, more than 40% of black business owners reported they were not working compared with only 17% of white business owners. The industries with the largest total job losses early in the pandemic were sectors where more black owned businesses are concentrated. That is accommodation, food services, retail, healthcare, and social assistance. About 28% of black owned businesses are found in these industries compared with under 20% of white-owned businesses, according to the Bureau of Labor and Statistics. I also thought that was very interesting in this article. It is not that, you know, some of us do own businesses, but even the businesses that we own are concentrated, like whether that's, you know, um, food, right, or, or some of the social services. A lot of us have businesses in those spaces. Nothing wrong with that, but those were the spaces most hit hard where folks couldn't work and get an income. So, um, I think that's interesting, too, as we move forward to figure out how to get into some of these other spaces, which is why um, the trades as well as technology is very, very important. So I thought that was an interesting part of the article. But, Cor, I know I've been gunning and r- running my mouth because, I, you know. <laughs> I, I, hey, I, listen, I, listen, you was you was hot, though. You was on fire. You <laughs> Yeah, but I wanted, to, I wanted to read those parts of the article. Now I'm going to close the article. There's a little bit, a lot more in the article that goes, it, it gives more detail and more context, but I'll leave it in the show notes as well as the description for folks to read, but I definitely want to get your overall perspective on what you read here um, and just what you think about this article or anything that was said in our conversation. I mean, so, I'm, not so, one, I'm not surprised because we in the markets every day and we already know. Two, mm-hmm. we talk about black wealth all the time and we, your job requires you to do a lot of independent study as mm-hmm. does mine. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like you, you, you do data analysis on, on, you know, Real yeah. estate and things of that nature, and I do data analysis on people. Yeah, and I'm so <laughs> it's our jobs are similar, but mm-hmm. a little bit different. But it, it, it so when you look when I look at those you know numbers and when I when I hear those, there's nothing that surprises me about that because, but but it's me and it's you, right? Yeah. But to the general masses, the the thing that our government does very, very well. Um, it's confused the hell out of people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it used to do a good job of that. Now they don't even care. Like they just mm-hmm. tell and they be like, what you gonna do? Um, <laughs> but yeah, it just it, our government does such a magnificent job of keeping people busy that people don't really see what's really going on, right? Because of you got taxes, right? And then yeah. you got silent tax, which is inflation. And so if you got taxes and inflation going on, and so your money is getting taxed two, three, four, five different ways, there's mm-hmm. no way in the world that you know the vast majority of people are going to be able to do that because the only way that this changes is through policy or rebellion. And it ain't changing through policy because policy doesn't benefit Policy very, very, very rarely benefits the mass. Yeah, most policy benefits a very small subsection of people, and so we got to get into that subsection of people that gets the benefits. 
You know what I mean? Like that's that's really what it's really about. Like so it's a couple things here, man. Because if people actually knew how inflation worked, I think there'd be like fire and riots in the street. <clears throat> but it's it's such a, 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 a evil way of, of of getting more out of folks. I had a conversation with a sister yesterday. She called me looking for help. Right? She said before the pandemic, she had a one bedroom apartment in Germantown. She was paying like six fifty. It was a small one bedroom, right? Since then, up to now. Um, she said that it's like a little over $2,000 for the same space. She said she had to move once already, right, to another place, and she's still paying close to two grand now. And she says, as I look around, and she was like, yo, she didn't have any kids with her by herself. She's like, as I look around, I can't find anything under a grand or even at a grand. So I'm like showing her different stuff on the market, and I'm like, I got to the point where I was like, I kind of like not that it not that it is what it is i'm like i don't know what to tell you so then she started having conversations about like looking at her job and seeing if she can like find more money <laughs> but not just that see how far of a distance she would have to travel to kind of keep her job so she has like like a hybrid work from home thing she was thinking about like moving like the williamstown reading like one of the cheaper places is the cost of goods and services she was completely like I, she was like yo when i go to the market by the time i go to the market and pay my rent i have no money she was like so I might have to figure out a way to lower my cost by geographically moving. But that's going to put a burden because now you're talking about wear and tear in your car. So it's like, it's just, a, it's just, yeah, a, you, you're not going to get, let me, let me tell you as a person who did that, <laughs> right. Cause I moved outside of the city. Well, not, not because of the prices of where I was living, but because of the taxes, I moved out of Philadelphia because of the taxes. It wasn't because of, violence or any of that i mean i grew up in the crack era 80s so the violence that we see now is it is eh. <laughs> you know what i mean yeah, not to yeah, say yeah. in but you know what i mean i grew up in the crack <clears throat> era 80s like i seen philadelphia crazy so that that wasn't what made me move the taxes are so burdensome and the thing that made me move was the philadelphia parking authority it wasn't even out of all of the taxes in the city. The one that made me move was the Philadelphia parking authority because they were costing me like eight hundred to a thousand dollars a month. They were costing me a rent payment. For those that are watching our show that don't know, that's like our parking enforcement agency. So the park Corey leaving out is how he parks reckless. I do not park <laughs> reckless. First and foremost, so you saying they ticket you for no reason? No. So I live near. When I lived in Philadelphia, I lived near Roosevelt Boulevard, which has the whole boulevard got camera lights. Yeah. So if you like sometimes, especially during rush hour, when I get off work, if you get caught in the middle of the street in mm -hmm. one of those joints, you get a red light ticket. And them joints is a hundred bucks a pop. I mean, if, that, you don't, if you don't pay, I'll, I'll, never, pay I'll never take their side because they are scoundrels. But technically speaking, you ain't supposed to get caught in the middle of the road. You're not supposed to go how to do the you, road. How do you, if I'm turning and then all of a sudden the traffic stops in front of me, what am I supposed to do? What I'm saying is, you're, I'm not trying to turn it into a traffic thing, but back when you took your permit, it tells you, and I know that's been ages, you ain't supposed to pull out or anything unless you know you have a clear way. But I forget I all that. I have a clear way. Okay. I forget all Listen, that, though. Roosevelt that's Boulevard <laughs> is the most dangerous road 
in the United States. First, of, first and foremost, which is why there's all those traffic cameras because Roosevelt mm-hmm. Boulevard is the most dangerous road. Listen, I know you said I got clapped with a ticket there. I just had to pay it. I had to. I had to chalk it up, like because they had, listen. Man, I was, I was paying it because I needed my vehicle because no. bitch, you don't. I was gonna fight it until they uh, opened the letter and look at the next page, and they had like the actual footage of me, of me trying to <laughs> doing what you doing what you said you ain't do. I'm red handed, dog. I'm not even gonna fight y'all, dude. Just take this bread and leave me alone. Yeah, but no. So most of my tickets were of those of that variety, those red light tickets. And if you don't pay it within ten days, that hundred dollars become hundred and twenty five dollars, which is a twenty five percent tax in a ten day span. Yeah. So. That's absolute. First of all, that's berserk. A twenty five percent tax in a ten day span. Anyway, I was getting clapped for like six, seven hundred dollars a month on them Jones. Then you know, you 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 park four inches too far into a space. They hit you with a ticket, or you 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 you. There's certain streets on our Jones in, in, yeah. in Philadelphia where if you park, uh, you got to put money into the meter. Mm-hmm. You put a quarter in the meter, give you 15 minutes. If you come back in 16 minutes, you will definitely have a ticket. Like them, I, them, got, them. I got beef with them for another reason because one of them, one of them jabronis wrote me a ticket for something I didn't do. But that's either here or there. But the point, the point I was making about with her though, it wasn't taxes. It was like, yo, just the cost of literally everything. Like, but what I'm saying man, is, the, the silent taxes go along with the cost of everything. No, right? I, I guess Philadelphia is one of the most tax municipalities in the country. Period. Anyway. Like Philadelphia well, is heavily taxed. I mean, this so is statistically taxed. speaking, it, that's kind of not true, right? Because it, it because again, it, what's your comparison point when you look at big cities? It's kind of anyway. I, I'm not gonna get into the data of it, but that's kind of not true. A lot of people in Philadelphia always say that, but I'm like, well, you ever, like okay, move to New York. Tell me about that, right? Because all right, move to DC and you tell me that Philadelphia's heavy tax, right? Move the, move the Baltimore. Like what I'm saying is the prices are higher there, but the but the taxes, the taxes are, are higher right. too. Taxes are higher too. I guess, man. No, I just, the, the way that it, the, the taxes was the taxes was killing me. Yeah. So but but New York be having taxes, dog. I was looking at something today where they were talking about like um it was about real estate, but when you buy a property over a certain amount, they have what they call something they created in New York. It's called a mansion tax. And it don't even got to be for a mansion. It's just based on price. But you can't buy anything in New York cheap anyway. So everybody gets hit with this mansion tax, which is several thousand dollars. I'm like, yo, that's ridiculous. Like, so it's like, anyway, but I mean, taxes itself is something that should be questioned. Um, But I'm just talking about the silent tax of everything just costing more. When she called to complain to me, she was talking about the rents, how she just couldn't afford it. She was talking about the price of eggs and like bacon, just regular stuff in the market. You go buy, you know what I mean? By the time you buy some meat, um, you know, eggs and milk and everything, like, you know, you're spending a mortgage. Yo, I, yo, I had my kids by myself this summer. My wife was at a a, a, a science program at the University of Iowa State. Mm-hmm. And, and she, you know, the kids was with me. So I had four boys and me by myself this summer. And my food bill, when I lived alone, was about $250 a month. Mm-hmm. With them four in the house, it was $1,800. <laughs> so think about this, right? Think about this, right? As we talk about the wealth gap, you know, tying it into our article. How are you supposed to even start to do anything 
when what it costs just to live is getting goes up. Because one thing she said to me when she was asking about the apartment, and to be honest with you, to be completely honest with you, as of right now, I have no solution for her. She may have to kind of like move out of the city. So it's just messing with their geography. But um, it's like, how are you supposed to do anything? That's why this whole game is rigged. I get the feeling sometimes, right, that, you know, there's a big game at play. We, we ain't in the, the, the clubhouse of those that make the rules and do everything. But I feel like they're like getting their last squeeze you know what I'm saying? Out of the lemon before everything goes above. Oh, like, before the fall of the empire? Dog, it's like, it's like we're going to see how far we can push it, right? Because it's like a, a take, take, take thing. Everything just costs more. Like, I, how does the average family, and that's the last point I want to make about this article, because I've shared this article with a couple of folks, and, and, I, and sometimes people's responses are shocking to me, but it made me realize something, right? You tend to spend time around people who are similar to you, right? And I've just been blessed in terms of, like I told my family, making sacrifices for me to go to college and be in certain spaces. And so a lot of my friends are college graduates. I got friends from all, all walks of life, but that's also intentional because what I realize is a lot of my friends who are like upwardly mobile um, are stuck in their bubbles. So when you talk to them about what the data looks like, that's not what they see. They like, nah. You know, you know, I make six figures. I invest in the market. I'm living here. I'm doing that. I'm like, eh, but that's not the average person. Let's look at the data. And a lot of times with our people, bro, we get into certain spaces and we don't even realize what's really going on because we are in our bubbles. So I think it's important for us to spend time outside of our bubbles and be intentional about it, yeah. you know, to and, and really look at how people are doing. People are out here struggling. No, actually, like struggling hard like it's um it's the, the cost of living is so crazy right and when i was probably 15 years ago when i first got married i was mm -hmm. making about a thousand dollars a week which was mm -hmm. you know not a crazy amount of money but fifty two thousand dollars a year was mm -hmm. our, you know teaching yeah. you know what i mean that was an okay salary Last year, when um, I retired from teaching out of Philadelphia, I was making close to $100,000, and I was bringing home more in 15 years ago than I was last year. Mm -hmm. And that's 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 how that'll tell you how much how much everything changed in 15 years. I was making damn near double and bringing home less. Here's the other part, right? Here's the other part. I know the last thing was my last point, but there's one more point though. I was doing this research because I was trying to figure out this whole it started. It started with a joke I saw on Twitter. It wasn't really a joke. Dude was serious, but it became a joke to Twitter because they roasted him. But it was like, you know, um, six figures ain't the goal no more. I, I got to make at least a half a million. Right. So everybody was like, yo, doofus, half a million is six figures. Right. Because in our head, six figures for most people was a hundred thousand. Yeah. Because of that joke, it made me start to look up. I'm like, well, where did this whole thing of six figures come from? The whole, the adage of I got to make six figures. And yeah. it's something that started like in the 80s, late, late, like 70s, 80s, about the idea of six figures being um, a great income. People say, I make six figures. This is a great income. But part of the trick knowledge in that is what six figures was able to purchase in, say, 1979, 1980. 
compared to what is 2024. If you made a hundred thousand dollars in like 1980, that's the equivalent of making 400,000 now. Right. So a lot of people don't make $400,000, but that's, that's the technology. $400,000 is 2% of the country. So they got us in this thing where in our head, if we make six figures, then we doing it. Not understanding that six figures in 1980 is not the same as six figures in 2020. Not at all. So not even close. It's, it's like it's like these little games that are being played in, you know. Anyway, the type of games are being played. How's it going there? Anyway, with that being said, man, um, this is an interesting article that I will share with everyone. It's from Fortune magazine. I will put a link in the description as well as the show notes. So what I have for audience is this. Um First thing I want to ask is, what are your thoughts on still our lack of participation in owning businesses? Um, and I know it's something that we struggle with as a community because in, in having conversation with people specifically in the real estate space, they do not want to deal with paper assets, not understanding that's where the real growth comes from. So I know it's still a thing that we have to a uphill battle. We have to fight. But also, I'd like to know your opinion of like, you know, um, the cost of living out there. How's the cost of living change where you're at? There are a lot of people that watch our program from all over the country. And I know um, we always get people to weigh in from California. A lot of, we got a lot of Texas in the building. Um, East Coast, you know. So I, I would just love to hear how the cost of living is affecting you wherever you are. Um, because that is affecting everything from housing, um, the clothing, to, you know, the, the price at the pump, gasoline. I didn't even bring that up. Man. You know so, so it's like, you know, um, everything goes. I'm, I'm going to tell you like this. As a father and as a uh, person who does some shopping in my house, the first place I noticed that anything costs more is at the supermarket. It's funny because the first time I like when I really noticed when stuff is going is literally the price of eggs. Though. I don't know what it is about eggs, but it's like they're a microcosm of what this corner in the world, man. Eggs yeah, is crazy. Man. The cost of the cost. The, every when I know. When everything is about to go haywire is when I go to the supermarket. Like I, I, I was going to my my neighborhood supermarket, and um, I used to buy, um, like the sliced uh, watermelons, mm-hmm. and you know just my little fruit stuff. You know watermelons, pineapples, you know apples, oranges, bananas, blah 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 blah. blah. So mm-hmm. my kids eat semi healthy, um, and you know. I used to get all of that stuff 50 bucks or less, right? Mm-hmm. I tried that right before I left to come here, and that same tag was like 120 bucks. <sighs> same stuff, nothing different. I was buying the exact same thing, and the same $50 was costing me $120. And that's and that's over like a four-year span from 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 panty time to when we to when I just left, that was a four year span. From that same tab was fifty dollars, was about buck twenty. So you talking about more than a hundred percent cost of living increase on just that? In the and I'm talking about in the same quantity. I'm because you know I got a shopping list. I go shopping the same way every single time. No, I get it. I mean, it's the cost of things. I can tell. Like I, one of the things I like to you know spoil myself with, I had to get I had to get fresh fish from Whole Foods, man. Little little cod, little little salmon. You know what I'm saying? The fresh yeah. one. You know what I mean? I don't want the frozen. I want the fresh. I ain't been there. In a, I ain't been there in a couple months now. <laughs> 
Like, I don't need it that bad. I don't, I don't need it that bad. I don't need to be cussed at when I walk in the store, dog. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, so with all that being said, though, man, just give us some feedback, man. What do you guys think about this article? Um, also, have you ever heard of Jeremiah Hamilton? So I'm going to add that to make sure people don't forget. You, you need to look my man up. But yeah, let, me up tell, let, me, let me tell you one more thing about the cost of things going up, right? Mm-hmm. So two days ago at the Super Bowl, me and my wife tried to buy two pizzas and 18 wings. What do you, mm-hmm. think, they, what do you think two pizzas and 18 wings cost? 50 bucks. You short $13. Mm. Yes. Yeah, two, pizza, two medium pizzas and 18 wings. They tried to charge us $63 for two medium pizzas and 18 wings, boss. Damn. Man. I was like, yo, <laughs> I see what the hell happened to the price. Yo, two pizzas and me. I'm, I'm thinking 35 All right, maybe the price went up 10 20, 50, you know, 30%. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I pay 40, 45. Boy, it says $63 for yeah, two medium pizzas. What happened to this country, bro? Things. What I happened to like, this country? This used yo, to be a beautiful country, man. Yo, I was like, how much do the wings cost? He said 18 wing parts cost $33. All right, man. That, that was man. We that was here. enough, and, and if you don't don't believe me. Go to Pizza Hut, go online, and see how much eighteen wings cost. <laughs> so here's what I want to know: um, What do you think about the article, right? And our, our avoidance of stock. Um, how how is inflation and in the price, the cost of goods and services? How's that affecting you where you are, wherever you are? And let us know where you are. And have you ever heard of Jeremiah Hamilton? And if not, make sure you do some research on Jeremiah Hamilton. Shout out to everybody, though, man. Um, another great episode, another great talk with my bro. Friday, we will be live 7 p.m. Um, doing our regular Friday live show, as well as our Bitcoin giveaway, because we do give away Bitcoin every Friday. Shout out to Bitcoin cracking 50K. Um, you know, it is what it is. And also, be on the lookout for Stacks Has to Die trying to probably have another episode. Not probably will. Have another episode, episode two out Monday. But as we always say, it is not about how much money you make. It's about how much you keep. Game elevates, and we'll see you guys in our next episode. Peace.